Welcome to True Crime Sucks, a podcast about the best and worst of true crime TV and documentaries. With your host, Adam Todd Brown. Hey, everybody. Welcome to True Crime Sucks, a podcast about the best and worst of true crime TV and documentaries. I am your host, Adam Todd Brown. Kind of blanked on my name for a second there. <laughs> Joining me as co-host, I got two of them. And I don't think either of you have been on this pod before, right? Not this one, no. Oh, so exciting. That voice you just heard, that sweet, mm-hmm. sweet lead singer mm-hmm. voice you just heard. Yeah. Ranger Van Gorder is here. Hi, everybody. Yeah, I'm a little I'm a little shouted out from last night. Spent three hours working on our new album. You get real shouty, shouty in the sweat box, you know, but uh, that's a weird album name. But everything you do, pal. Hey, me and Danger have a show November 10th at the Sardine in San Pedro. You should come. Yep. You should come. Tickets will be on sale soon. Also here, Hannah Michaels. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Everyone, I'm everyone surprised I haven't Michaels. been on this she's, show She's yet. Elon Musk on Twitter, for God's sake. <laughs> for a brief period, it was relevant <laughs> and then not. Don't you mean X? No. And X I get very upset Twitter. when people correct me. It's not like we're not talking pronouns, baby. I can call Twitter whatever the fuck I <laughs> Yeah, corporations don't get. I will call Twitter Twitter. I will call Kanye Kanye. Fuck that. Very different thing. Anyway, we're talking about. A documentary that I fucking love. The Inventor, Out for Blood in Silicon Valley. It's an Alex Gibney documentary, so it's at least very well done. It looks what else nice. Did he, that name's real familiar to me. What else did he work on? Uh, he's done. What else has he done? Because that, that name popped up at the beginning. I'm like, uh, I can't. Uh, yeah, he's definitely not the cause of. Google thing, Danger. Like, mm. it, it will change. I thought, I, I thought I'd ask you since you, you know, assigned life. us this, this thing. Um. Usually have to see any that will like he did the first wave. He did. Uh, oh, he did Enron, the smartest guys in the room. Ah. Ever heard of it? Ah, he did, uh, Steve Jobs documentary. He did. Uh, oh, a documentary about Boris Becker. I'll watch that. I like tennis. Yeah. Alex Gibney. He's done a shit ton of documentaries. So, yeah, yeah it's a it's a slick doc. This one it is compulsively watchable. There's a whodunit in there. Yeah, it looks yeah. nice. It uh opens, you know, it well, we should explain. <laughs> As documentaries do. Yeah, it's a 2019 HBO documentary about Elizabeth Holmes and the Theranos scandal. First thing right out of the gate, that fucking voice of hers. <laughs> I that don't... deliberate choice that she made to live her entire life as a performance. That's like they talk about that in The Prestige. You know, like yeah. uh, this is the performance. Like they're she's playing a, a character. Am I incorrect, though, that that doesn't come up in the documentary? I feel like we found that out after because there's um, a few things in here that don't really come up. That- no, that, that wasn't discussed. The thousand yard stare that comes up, the dinner plates for eyes that that comes up. But the pretend voice doesn't Does come up. But we did find I, out later. She's like making that shit up. Oh, for sure. It doesn't. It's not natural. Maria Bamford, like she puts on a voice as just like a regular speaking voice, I'm sure, because we've heard her do her comedy routine and she uses many different voices in that comedy routine. And it's brilliant. But it's also like she's not I, I feel like Maria Bamford isn't pretending to be somebody else. Yeah. Whereas, and it's also comedy. It's performance. Literally. Yeah, yeah. Like we get it. There's something extra going on there, which is for our entertainment. And it's fun. But it's not like a thing that's unique to her. Like Paris Hilton did that for a long time. Like if you listen to Paris Hilton talk, she does not talk the way she portrayed herself in the early 2000s. I've also heard that about Michael Jackson. I've heard behind the scenes, Michael Jackson was like, hey, I'm Michael Jackson. And then in public, whole different thing. I'd like to hear your Michael Jackson impression. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm imagining it's quite good. (sighs) It's probably not. Otherwise, I would have done it, you know. But yeah, that voice, it would wear me out. I don't know yeah, how we, people invest. Should we, should we set the scene it's for, for our, our listeners here? Are, are we assuming that people have seen this doc? Or do we need to sort of walk people through what the actual meat of the story is? I mean, we're going to get there. But I think by now, a lot of people know who Elizabeth Holmes is, right? Yeah. Probably. She, 
Yeah. I mean, in addition to this documentary, which is excellent and, and comes highly recommended because there are certain things that a documentary can get across that fiction cannot. There's also an excellent show on, was it Hulu, called The Dropout, which follows her story all the way through the beginning and the end. And ha- since it was made after this documentary, there's a little bit more of the postscript, you know, that sort of epilogue. Like, I was kind of surprised. It's odd seeing a documentary about something that feels both so far away and so recent because the real scandal of it all really landed in like, what was it, 2015, 2016? Um, yeah, that's when yeah. the Wall Street Journal article came out. But right. I feel like I didn't know much about it until the documentary came out. Like In 2019, yeah. Yeah. Like I had heard about it vaguely, but I didn't re- like I didn't read the Wall Street Journal article. I can't read. <laughs> but yeah, I think by now a lot of people, I think most people know who Elizabeth Holmes is. Is yeah. I mean, even if we say she was the founder of Theranos, like if you don't know Elizabeth Holmes, you're not going to hear Theranos and go, oh, sure, sure, right. sure, Theranos. Right. I mean, unless you live in Arizona. Okay. Yeah, we were preserved from that becoming a household name as a product. By virtue of the product never actually materializing. But I mean, like this is it's a Silicon Valley fucking circle jerk. If you were if you had gobs of money and were looking to 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 find the next great big thing in, you know, the mid 2010s or so, then you would have come across this person and she would have been regarded as a genius, you know, because she really carefully created this image of that and played towards what people wanted. I think like that's the real that's that's this person's real genius is that she gave people what she wanted. Like we want to believe that there are these sorts of generational talents and singular minds and that we can live among them and sort of help guide their hand or at least just sort of like bask in their glow to whatever degree we can. Yeah. yeah. Um and yeah. like and we always have that's why they had the Edison comparison in there. Like yeah. No person is a vacuum like that. No one person is an inventor like that. That's not a real thing, but we want to believe it is. Yeah, it always takes a team of people. And yeah, I think the thing about Elizabeth Holmes and her invention or her, you know, idea, her idea was very good invention is it would have been really cool if it worked. Yeah. Like I get why people were excited about the idea. Because the idea that you could just prick your finger and get like more than 200 different lab tests done with that little drop of blood, like they're right. There are people that are legitimately scared of needles. There are people that don't like the sight of blood. I don't believe that Elizabeth Holmes was ever scared of having blood drawn because I don't think she runs on human blood. I think she runs on something else. But we do. We are a few degrees away from some people that do run on human blood for our off off camera conversation here sure oh yeah and like i i very recently took my five-year-old in for a blood draw and it was it was an opera man like we i i like planned it for like two weeks i was like okay honey it's gonna be a little scary it might hurt a little bit might be a little cold and uncomfortable but you know beforehand we're gonna get donuts and we're gonna hang out we're gonna get to go to school late you know, you just got to be brave, baby girl. You got to be brave. And here's all the different ways you can be brave. And daddy be right there next to you the whole time. And it's going to be wonderful. Yeah. So and imagine be- if it was just a finger prick. Instead. Right. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I had to hold her and two other phlebotomists had to hold my kid. Well, was that one or two? Yeah. The third phlebotomist then actually did the draw. Yeah. You know, and she's screaming the whole time. Like, it's not there is a real need to make this sort of thing less scary or more approachable and cheaper. Right. Um, you know, yeah, the, absolutely. The I idea mean, has merit. Yeah. I can't, I can't tell you how many times I've filled like 12, 15 tubes for different blood testing and it's, you're lightheaded afterwards. Oh, Even dude, if you yeah. don't have a fear of blood, there's a very real toll it takes on your body to get these tests. Yeah, like that's sorely cut- needed. If you cut your arm and 10 to 15 vials worth of blood came out, you'd be like, I'm dying, right? I remember now when I got my first blood draw as a teenager and my reaction to injury at that time was hysterical laughter. And after the blood draw, I managed to just get back into my car and it took me 20 minutes to stop laughing because I was just like this horrible anxiety thing of like, I'm not enjoying this. This is not this is not gleeful. But uh, that's what my body's deciding to do to handle this thing that's happening to it. 
Yeah. So yeah, that was the idea. Elizabeth Holmes was working on this machine. It was called the Edison because she had two sayings that she loved a whole bunch. There's the Thomas Edison saying, I've never failed. I've just found 10,000 ways that didn't work, which to me sounds like failure. Like if I tried to launch this podcast 9,999 other times, I think I would be crazy if I did not give up. But hey, some people are just that crazy and they do not give up. And I guess Elizabeth Holmes is one of them. She also really loves that Yoda phrase. There is no try. There's only do or whatever the fuck. Oh, yeah, yeah. And like those things contradict each other, though. If you're painting Yoda phrases on your office wall. No, no. you're dope because you get it. No. Oh, I see. No, you don't. You don't get it. That is a fictional film. And Yoda is a puppet. So he's a, he's a wise puppet, though. Nope. I always did have a problem with that phrase, though, because it's like, well, no, like failure is important and good and people can learn from their failures and they should. Um, so, yeah, no, try, Luke, try to lift that box. Spoken like someone who doesn't belong in Silicon Valley. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. Well, hang on. Not so, uh, <laughs> because uh, <laughs> we are discussing a person who internalized those things and then managed to bilk people out of almost a billion dollars of just straight investment money, investment capital. Yeah. And it kind of makes sense why she, at the time, she was a woman in a dominate a, a field that was dominated by men. Mm-hmm. And a, a young woman that uh, has this thing that well, she kind of sounds like she makes a choice that she's like, a she, she wants to sound like a Muppet because it's while staring, staring at you so that you really feel a connection. And you're like, what's yeah, with but- this person? She's mesmerizing, but in a, uncomfortable way i really really think a lot of startup ceos are better understood psychologically Mm. compared to cult leaders yeah i could see that especially this one like yeah she but even i mean she she was just doing a souped up medical field version of what everyone else there does right and she kind of embraced that like that's what she wanted she wanted to be considered among that group of Silicon Valley investors who are raiding the planet and ruining the world. And she did it. She was able to insert herself into that field. And she did it in large part with the help of a bunch of crusty old white military war machine establishment fucks. And I'm so glad they are the ones who lost the bulk of this money that she stole. Like Henry Kissinger, uh, Charles Schultz, is that his name, or is that the guy who writes fucking Peanuts? <laughs> that yeah, is the guy peanuts. that does Peanuts. George Schultz. As, there you go. Mm. As a society, we create these opportunities for the super rich to not only have way too many houses, eat up all of our you know, social safety net and whatnot, um, but also we give them op- opportunities to gamble wildly on fraud. We're glad all these fucks lost their money, but in the end, I think Betsy DeVos will still be okay. And I resent her for that. I want, I, you know, yeah. want to see the, the tattered jeans and be like, this ruined me. I'm Betsy DeVos. It's like you see right now with the strike going on, Billy Porter has, has like, he's not a good place, man. He's had, he had to sell his house, you know, actual financial troubles. And that's, that's horrible, you know, but that's, we're not going to see that happen to, to like somebody like Ted Sarandos. Any of these people who lost their asses on Theranos will ultimately be fine. Yeah. Watching this documentary in 2023, there are a lot of comparisons to Elon Musk for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. also the, uh, was it the WeWork guy is like the same kind of deal, just sort of creating a bubble that will break. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, just sort of like, ah, I have this cult of personality. I can do no, like, I'm just a creative person. I'm, I'm creating, but yeah, in that sort of cult leadery sense. I mean, Travis Kalanick basically has no charm whatsoever, or he would be in that same boat. Yeah. He's just sort of like, well, how do I turn Econ 101 into the world that we perceive, you know? Yeah. The other thing she had going for her is people who have this kind of money to invest love the phrase disruptor. Yep. Ugh. And yep. I hate it with the intensity of a million burning suns. Why is that? I just hate the word. Like, I don't know. Like, have you never heard of phrase that catches on and you're like, I fucking hate when people say that. I mean, it is such a bullshit, nothing buzzword. Yes. Like it means nothing. Like you're just saying, oh, well, there's like a new version of this. There's been new versions of things 
fucking forever. But sure. yeah. investors love that goddamn word. And she entering into a field that is ripe for being disrupted because there's only really two lab companies. But the thing about why there's only two medical lab companies is because setting up a medical lab is fucking hard. And it's also science. It's not a goddamn Slurpee. Like you're not going to come up with all that many different formulas for testing blood. Like once you have one that works, you should kind of kind of stick with it. Like I agree we could maybe take the cost down a little bit and give people a little more flexibility in how and when they get those tests. But once you have an accurate test, you should probably just stick with that shit. Even past just like the thing of making it cheaper. The other really important element that they were selling as this sort of fantasy was the idea that it would be a completely new kind of picture that would be painted from this information. Like people, there's a good moment at the beginning because Alex gave me a good documentarian where it's like these still images of like you get your blood drawn maybe once, maybe twice a year or whatever it ends up being. And you only get the image of your blood in that moment. Whereas the Edison by Theranos promises you an active motion picture of your health, like a living image that you can track changes in real time and thereby empower yourself to have a more informed stake in like disease prevention, cancer prevention, cancer screening, very important stuff that in theory would be badass. But the thing that kept coming up in this documentary was like, we can't make this happen because of physics. Well, not just that. The thing that keeps coming up is, well, how does it work? And she would just consistently be like, I'm not going to tell you. It's a trade secret. If I told you, yeah. then uh, we're basically telling our our, uh, our direct competitors. And all these startups do that. It's just extra dangerous when it's in the medical field. Yeah. Yeah, they and, make that point. Like, I don't give a shit if this is a chat client that uses emojis and shit. Yeah. But this is like people's lives. Mm-hmm. How much more syphilis got moved around on account Ugh. of... Yeah, like one of the grossest things they could have picked. It's like, that was the one that we can actually test for. And we're going to test with like two thirds the accuracy of actual legitimate testing facilities. Could they even test for that, though? It seemed like they couldn't. I mean, in theory, they they, they may or may not have. We didn't really get a clear picture because the technicians are saying that like the 65 percent accurate and the Holmes fantasy squad is saying, oh, it's 100 percent accurate. The problems are these narratives, man, like you're not up just against the actual science of it all, but you're you're up against this narrative that we we want this thing to exist so bad that we are willing to allow for nine thousand nine hundred and ninety nine failures yeah. yeah, on the way to getting this thing that we want. Look, I want teleportation and, you know, traveling tubes. That sounds badass. Yeah. And also that like cult of personality you were speaking to, that's why no one can question this shit. That's why technicians were silent. That's why presumably no one ever said or got silenced. Hey, maybe we shouldn't make the Teslas fart. Like, it's just <laughs> yeah. no one's no one's able to bring these things up, especially not the experts. It's really frustrating that in Silicon Valley, experts are kind of relegated to this realm of not visionary, not exceptional, not even worth listening to. Right. Well, if you understand the limits of something, how are you supposed to go beyond them? (laughs) Yeah. And what she was proposing, I think a lot of people did recognize it as absolutely insane. Like she was wanting to take the entire capabilities of a medical lab, which is a huge thing with lots of equipment. They need it's a room. You know, it's it's a room. It's a building. It's not just a room. And she was going to take all of that and put it in something in the size of like uh, an expensive printer. Yeah. Like, and yeah, one of her engineers is like, oh, but what about physics? You know, like the laws that govern the universe we live in. And they were like, you don't belong in Silicon Valley. Maybe you should go work somewhere else. It's like, God damn. But also he didn't go work somewhere else, I don't think. Well, I mean, one of those guys eventually did commit suicide. That was explored a little bit more clearly, I think, in the TV show. See the the dropout. um, Yeah, this is is a documentary. This is the rare documentary where I was like, this could have been a few episodes instead of two hours like there's stuff in this that they could have two two very informative hours it's not a light snack by any means yeah but yeah yeah, like the cult of personality that's sort of like toxic optimism 
where like if you're not smiling, then then you're labeled a problem. So one of the things they talk about and this, I feel like has to secretly be a facet of pretty much every Silicon Valley company is the control they wielded over the employees in terms of just monitoring. And even like, oh, I can tell you absolutely, because I'm not allowed to text one of my relatives because they're, all of his texts are monitored from a phone number that's on a family plan. Yeah, that's crazy. You can't be like, did you lock the front door this morning or should I feed the cat? Literally little, little details like that. He'll say, call me. Ugh, yikes. Yeah, even to like do work shit on my phone when I worked at Cracked. Not that they weren't the most ethical fucking place I've ever worked, but <laughs> I had to install this really weird software on my phone. And it's like, what is that for? I don't like it. That's why I don't have a boss anymore. Mm. I want to monitor my own goddamn emails. But like Elizabeth Holmes took it to a kind of a different level, like to the point where she was even in the interviews when they were interviewing like receptionists and shit. In monitoring those receptionists emails. Yeah. Monitoring like, yeah. her keystrokes. I mean, I would say there are other Silicon Valley CEOs that do that, but it's insane. It's fully insane. Yeah. You can't run a company like that. You, There's no possible way you could have the time to run a company like that. It's also worth, um, <laughs> I mean, we're going to get to like how exactly Theranos exploded, imploded, and like, you know, made, made these Silicon Valley creeps start second guessing themselves a little bit, but just, just trot it out. This is still ongoing. There are oh, yeah. still... There, this is pro this is a problem that uh, uh, some people looked at the Theranos situation and said, "Okay, well, how can I not do things that way? Because that way got her caught. That way yeah. got her completely screwed, you know, and lost all those people their jobs. And if she had just done this a little differently, she'd still be getting investment capital, venture capital, and we'd still be no closer to this thing being an, a, a a real product." Yeah, yeah. I think your comparison to entertainment is pretty apt because. Time and time again, the wrong lessons are fucking learned. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah, we touched on it a little, but Cheryl, the receptionist she interviews, is the first one to bring up, hey, this woman never blinks. <laughs> and that's always weird. I don't know how that happens. There was the Forbes guy back in the 90s who was pushing a flat tax for everyone. Mm. And if you, I don't remember which Michael Moore documentary it is, but they show a clip of an interview with him and he goes a solid like minute and a half, two minutes of talking and just never blinks. And it's like, you're not real. Like I yeah, know you're it, not a person. You're a robot. At one point, a few years back, I was part of a big team that was involved in conversations with our congressman. Um, our, we have a pretty uh, well-regarded congressman, Adam Schiff, because he's one of the guys that, uh, you know, made himself famous for, you know, holding Trump to task and all that good stuff. And in the space of that conversation, like that dude don't believe either. Like there's there is something about just as on the on the like a deep human caveman lizard level where people who arrest you with their vision get you to feel like there there is a connection that is profound. You are being listened to in a way that has a physical effect on your body. You know, and that physical effect on your body like activates different things in your brain. So it's part of her performance, just in the same way that the Kermit voice is part of the performance. But there's that, there's a point to it. It feels like that has to be a numbers game, because if someone sat down and talked to me and just not only never broke eye contact, but never blinked like I would feel like a cat feels in that moment where I'm like, are we going to have to fight? Like, yeah. yeah. Is this person going to leap across the table at me? Like, why are they not being how people be? Yeah. Well, how much time and, are you spending with that kind of person? Is it yeah, the kind of thing where you see them briefly? There's got to be some people who are like, oh, my God, I'm the only person in the room right now. Mm -hmm. I, I imagine a lot of employees felt that way. And this performance was really for investors. Yeah, I could see that. Well, she's always selling. She's always selling this idea of her idea. She's always selling the idea of her you know, yeah. and if if she breaks for a moment and like uh, says anything that contradicts with that story and uh, humanizes her in any particular way, then people are like, "Hang on, what? <laughs> like that 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 doesn't track with the with the depraved genius model that you've you've presented to me." 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's why it's why eating disorders are so prevalent in Silicon Valley. You have to be you can't be human. You can't be a person. You have to be this like peak efficiency, never sleep fucking freak. Yeah. Bunch of freaks. You heard it here first. <laughs> what do we think of Dr. Phyllis Gardner? She seems like she was the only person early on who was like, this woman is full of shit. Was that the lady with the short hair who was like, uh, like kind of leaning forward, a little bit of teeth going on? Of like, yeah, I didn't like her, and here's why. You could describe her that way, and or yeah. professor of medicine at Stanford University. Either one, yeah. whatever you Pitbullish want. Pitbullish kind of vibe. On. I don't know. There's a couple of doctors in there. A lot of lot of women doctors, very admirable. But Elizabeth Holmes came to her early on when she was enrolled at Stanford and was like, "Hey, I got this idea." And Dr. Gardner was like, "That is physically impossible." Like what you're describing will never work. And she says Elizabeth Holmes just like wouldn't listen. And they describe Elizabeth Holmes at one point in this as a zealot. And I think that's really accurate. Yeah. Like well, she was trying to recruit in that moment. She wasn't trying to get an idea like vetted. She was looking for someone to back her. But I yeah. think it's more than that. I think zealot is the right thing. I think Elizabeth Holmes really did believe in herself. Oh, 100%. I I think all these people believe their bullshit, which is why it's so scary. Dangerous. Yeah. She just shouldn't have believed in herself is the problem. And that's how it works with zealots. Like a zealot is blind to the things that shake their belief and their determination in themselves. And that was absolutely her. And it seems like that started pretty early on, like when she was even still at Stanford. But Dr. Gardner does ship her off to someone else a guy named Channing Robertson, and he is so taken by Elizabeth Holmes, he quits his fucking job at Stanford and becomes a Theranos advisor, which that's nuts. Because I'm sure when Dr. Gardner sent Holmes his way, she was like, but also what she's talking about is pretty crazy. But if you want to hear her out, feel free. It's worth noting that most of, let's call it her flock or her marks, I don't know, like whatever, the, the, the people she sort of brought in uh, and sold this notion to were older men. Yeah. You know, whereas a lot of the in the documentary, the the the, the people who are really critical are women, yeah. are the, the women doctors who are like, I performed like I know what testing is like. And I could have told her that this would not have worked or that the advisor at Stanford who was like, no, she's she she's taking this too far. I'll send her off to someone else. Maybe he has the more patience to sort of talk her into a different kind of idea or something that I don't have the time for. Yeah. And I wonder how much of that was you could chalk up to Elizabeth Holmes. She was pretty. She's very pretty, like in a uh, Silicon Valley creep kind of way. But also, <laughs> She's a, I, uh, a Palo Alto eight. I yeah. think I think she it, it must be more about the young person part of it, because if you play on pretty in any industry, you can only get so far. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that she was playing on it. I think it was more them. Even then, it, I think it. that I, would have been an afterthought in the she is a genius. Yeah. And, and it could have been an afterthought. And I imagine it was also a little bit of sexism where they're like, can you believe it's a woman doing all this? Because they're fucking old ass white men made their careers working with nothing but old ass white men. And they're mm-hmm. like, oh shit, this is different. Right. And it's like, nah, she's an old ass white man in a young woman's body, dude. You're getting fucking built right Seriously. now. Seriously. Yeah. She does not act any different than the Firefest guy or really yeah. anyone. I mean, it's a different set of mannerisms and, and performances, but it's what they are. Yeah. And she convinced these dudes to invest this money just with her story. There was no like demonstration of how this machine was going to work. There was no proof that it worked. She just she didn't drop out of Stanford at some point to pursue this idea. So she didn't re- she didn't get a degree in engineering. But also that's probably got to lend some credibility to it. Like if you're right, that- because the a lot of these people have that exact lore. Bill Gates, they have that lore yeah. of dropping out to start this company, to yeah. start these companies. Because we have seen this happen before. Uh, and this person is is sort of portraying this thing and the thing she's saying, like Edison failed 9000 times before he finally locked on the right. Well, that's 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 how I'm going to live my entire life early on when she's talking, um, when she's in interviews. She doesn't really talk about her idea as much as she's just like, I 
want to be, I imagined myself amongst Bill Gates and Steve Jobs. And that, that sort of messianic yeah. image of like, I want to be a messiah. And this is the particular expression that I found, which is I'm going to make this machine that makes blood draws easier. All right, cool. Yeah. Um, but like what's really important is that I am a Steve Jobs. So yeah. I would I'm, not be surprised if her parents were academics. And like this is someone who's straight up broke under rich parent academic pressure. Yeah. This is someone whose psychology was fundamentally altered. I'm not saying uh i know anyone like that who grew up under the same roof as me but um <laughs> it's a thing that happens if your yeah. entire life up until a certain age is all about building a college resume mm -hmm. you can't live after that you don't know what to do like there's no <laughs> yeah yeah so so those of us that changed majors in college like we're we're, we're gonna be okay we're gonna be okay but only oh, the only i mean we know who we are that's the difference <laughs> At the same time, though, I always feel like I went back to school in my late 30s and got another degree. And it's the kind of thing where like, I wish at 24, I wish at 26 that I had known that I want I wanted to wind up where I am, you know, like, so there's something to be said for uh, like when, when I was in college, 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 you know, in 2007, like I did a project about on student loan debt, which spoiler alert, never got any better, guys. Um, but the people who tended to do really well were people who knew what they wanted to do and stuck with it. Like there was a guy yeah. who was like, I want to be a judge. And I've wanted to be a judge since I was like 13 or something. Like, that's awesome. Like it is a real gift to know early on what you want out of life because you can you can spend more time building towards something. But Absolutely. if it's like if it's all that you want to be is Steve Jobs or if all you want to be is this person who is known for achieving this one specific thing. And gotten through all the tests and, and hit every road mark and benchmark on the way to this one specific achievement. Like, who are you underneath that? Like, that's a yeah. dangerous yeah. thing to not have more to your personality. I think when that gift is treated like a necessity, which much of our culture does, it creates problems like that where yeah. people just don't fucking know who they are um, until they've accrued massive amounts of debt or worse. Yeah. Speaking of the people who invested with her how about tim draper and his fucking bitcoin tie how bad did i he to pummel that hated with punches that guy he might as well oh. have had been in front of like a bunch of nfts i yeah. want to poison his soylent <laughs> <laughs> i know the guy who founded soylent and here's the thing he's really nice rob reinhardt oh yeah I brother of comedian cat reinhardt i went to a fourth of july cookout at his place once where they were roasting a pig seemed like a weird choice for the founder of Soylent, but that pig was delicious. I believe you. Yeah. Uh, okay. Is his kindness part of a larger uh, a domination sort of plan? Danger. To Didn't you tell the security guard outside Pfizer to thank his bosses for you? You don't get to question me when <laughs> I say there's a nice CEO in the world. Like that's a pharmaceutical company. They are the the devil. He, he, this was during the pandemic, and what I said was, matter. "Hey, they are tell everybody devil. thanks for the shot." Yeah, thanks for doing your fucking job. Yeah, you would get occasionally look broken clock, buddy. Every so often, the, the pharmaceutical industry like gets us out of a jam. I'm not going to stop well, no, wanting to hold CEO them accountable for literally everything else. If you're asking, no, the CEO of Soylent wasn't nice to me because he was trying to sell me Soylent. For fuck's sake! No, not nothing to do. He was he selling his himself as a messianic no, to me? Yeah, to you. Jesus Christ! I don't know. I'm asking. So George Schultz, he's probably the biggest name here, and Kissinger's the biggest name. Yeah, I mean, George Schultz shows up a lot. They're they're neck and neck. George Schultz ain't nothing. He was Secretary of State under Reagan. Like that's a lot of destroying the world too. Like don't we know more about Kissinger's? war crimes yeah because okay right because the cia did everything under reagan and we like put rules in place where we couldn't send reporters to war zones and things that's why we have no idea how the invasion of panama unfolded because you weren't allowed to know about the shit reagan was up to we knew about what kissinger was up to because it was a different time anyway that's not the point also james mad dog mattis is in this <laughs> So right. just a whole buffet of people who I hope are all dead soon. You know? Or at least have like ball parasites. 
Yeah, yeah. I nodded, by the way. Yeah, this is not a medium. <laughs> now, they, yeah. all, they all need to die. You're not defending the honor of George Maddox and... <laughs> and all of these motherfuckers talk about this woman like she is a messiah. Like, she is just such hot shit. Because if she was, they could have been billionaires to a man. Yeah, and when you have that much money... You back your bets. Investing, yeah, high-risk investing is nothing to you. Yeah, and they point out, this is a quote from Dr. Gardner, she didn't want scientific input. She aligned herself with several powerful older men who succumbed to her charms. I'm like, yeah, is she charming? I mean, she's got to be. She's I think she reminded story. them of themselves, and she had a good story. Yeah, I can see. And that. that's what she modeled herself to do. The, the military contract stuff is weird. Because it does seem like she was getting military contracts. And it's like, for what? None of her stuff worked. I think a lot of people get military contracts when one, none of their stuff works. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, didn't but, they yeah, just lose a stealth fighter somewhere in America? <laughs> yeah, I think they did. Like, we we just lost. Whoopsie daisy. Yeah, we'll find could it. <laughs> could we'll have had... Yeah, how many people's health care could that have subsidized? Yeah, right. It'll Free be on an lunch for an entire Pawn state Stars. for a year or that yeah. one jet. It'll be on an episode of Pawn Stars someday. Yeah. How about Sonny Bawani, president, CEO of Theranos. Also and secret a, lover also of a Elizabeth Holmes. Boyfriend. I still can't believe Naveen Andrews from Lost and his beautiful, beautiful face played this man on the TV show. Come on. That, that is uncalled well, for. I think that's when you cast a hot actress, you have to be like, okay, we got to. <laughs> we understand what we're doing here. Yeah. Amanda yeah. Seyfried played Elizabeth Holmes. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're at some point, the pool in, that's the other thing. Like the pool of, of well-known actors is just hot people now and a couple of character actors. And I'm upset, um, but that's not really the point. Sorry. <laughs> so Sonny hey. Balwani, he's way older than Elizabeth Holmes. But it's yeah, what, like, what's their age of like he's the, 50 and she's uh, when they meet 20. Yeah, she's way old. He's way older. But it seems like she is the domineering figure in that relationship. He seems like another old man who is just absolutely fucking taken with her, which I mean, I guess that stands to reason. They don't really clarify like they hint that they might have been in a relationship in the documentary, but it's way more they might not have known yeah in the TV. it's all over the tv the the dropout fiction tv show like it is overt that like this is a choice we made whether or not they'll ever actually come out and say it which i i don't didn't did they as part of the depositions that got started right at the end of the documentary of like yeah we were actually in a relationship i don't i don't remember yeah i don't remember but probably i'm sure i mean it would have had to come up in the deposition i would think yeah so Walgreens is a big figure in this. Man, Walgreens is one of the most disappointing companies on the planet. They used to be my fucking favorite place. Okay, and there's two, I have lot. two questions. Okay. What made it your favorite place? Open all the time, no matter what. Christmas Day. No like matter. a Waffle House situation? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I like that, and they fucking have everything. But also, they aligned with the right-wingers, and they. I hope all their locations burn. They... They, I mean, that was my second question. How, same what? with CVS. Like they, they purposefully uh, sidestep the ADA whenever they can. Yeah. All the, all these twenty four hour pharmaceutical corp, uh, pharmacies are just fucking. And look into Walgreens, like kowtowing to like anti abortion and anti contraception types. Like it's bad. It's a bad look. And Walgreens can go get fucked. And I'm glad they yeah. are the ones who got fucked in this. Mm. Me too. They all intentionally understaff, which makes. Everyone get yelled at and yell. It's evil. Yeah. And it's dangerous. It's a good way to it get is. your store robbed. Is It's a good way to get your store robbed and it's a good way to not get your meds. Yeah, Walgreens can get fucked. But they signed this contract with Elizabeth Holmes without ever like asking to see how the machines work. Like nothing. They just kind of take her word for it. Yeah. And once again, it's like that sucks. She committed a crime, but also good. Like, fuck Walgreens. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely I, I like really... a, a sales tactic there where she's like, oh, you know, uh, CVS are also interested in getting on board with what we're doing here. So uh, you, you have a, a real limited window to get in on this. And like, well, shit, we haven't been relevant for a while. Um, Yeah, sure. All right. Whatever. Show it. You promise you'll show us at some point. Why would she lie? Yeah. 
And yeah, they do talk, they talk about Ian Gibbons a little bit, but if for no other reason than you get to hear more of Ian Gibbons story, I would really recommend the dropout, which is the Hulu TV series version mm-hmm. of this. Ian Gibbons is a tragic figure in this, and he really does not get that much screen time. He was an engineer who worked on a bunch of the Theranos patents that Elizabeth Holmes just put her name on. Yeah, wor- not worked on. Like the patents are under Elizabeth Holmes, Ian Gibbons. Like it, right. it's yeah. just the two of them. But he's I the mean, one who like did it all. Yeah. And kind of, kind of part of the vision, Edison threw a lot of engineers under the bus to the point that some literally died for, yeah. quote unquote, his inventions. Right. Yeah, this guy, his main crime within Theranos was going to Elizabeth Holmes and being like, hey, this machine we're working on, it's not working. And she was like, okay, I think you should just go home forever. Like, Jesus. Yeah. And... Like, it sounds like I'm exaggerating, but that's kind of what she did. She eventually he asked enough questions. She was just like, stay home. Yeah. And that's par for the course for a lot of these startups. It's um, at least granted all of my evidence is anecdotal, but I've gotten a lot of it. Yeah. And it can, that counts. Yeah. I mean, it's something to to at least be able to say this is part of the culture. Yeah, We, we can say that your experiences are qualitative data as opposed to the quantitative data if we were yeah. to get, you know, a couple of thousand people in your in your position to tell that same story. Yeah. Still data, and, baby. Yeah. So by 2012, Ian Gibbons didn't have an office anymore at Theranos, and he was like super duper marginalized within the company, and it bummed him out to the point that he falls into a deep depression, he starts drinking a bunch, and eventually he just kills himself. And the really sad part about it, they ask his wife what Theranos like said to her after this. Did they apologize? And she's like, I didn't hear from them other than a request to return all of his documents. And she said she drove him back the, the documents back to Theranos, set him on the desk and walked out. And no one even like hugged her, said, we're so sorry. Yeah. Like Out for Blood is a good title for this documentary because Elizabeth Holmes was a fucking monster. They, I mean, that's how you get to that position. They all kind of are. It's fucked. Yeah. I don't think you can trust anyone that high up with that much overvalued stock. I'm thinking of Musk again, but. Yeah. Yeah. If, if we're centralizing in, in any one character who is not only tasked with selling their idea, but telling, but selling themselves as this figure, then you're going to get in trouble. Like, for whatever reason, a counterexample uh, of the two guys who made Doom popped into my head. They kind of share credit for that. You know, the one guy was the designer and the other guy built the actual levels and the puzzles. And, you know, they're they're considered was it uh, uh, John Romero and the, oh, the other John. Oh, the nerds, the, the nerds are going to be mad at me. Um, oh, well, they were my, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, but like they share the credit of of creating this landmark that has basically like Doom created the first person shooter in this way that we know it now, and it's one of the most important pieces of software to have ever been made. Um, Carmack, John Carmack, there it is, John Carmack, John Romero. Um, but there's no like you could have made the 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 point that like the one guy was more egotistical than the other, um, but like they they still at, they still share the credit for creating this thing. Um, whereas you know if you get Someone like Elon Musk, who's who still denies that his dad had a controlling share in a goddamn emerald mine. <laughs> you know, he's like, "Oh, I'm I'm still a self-made man because I'm just this. I'm just so so lucky because I I have these good ideas and I I did the PayPal. I, it was my idea. I called it X. I wanted to call it. I know you were a rich kid who made some wise investments. Yeah. And now we're supposed to consider you a a, a mad genius." Because sometimes your rockets come back and sometimes your tunnel companies go nowhere. Yeah. No, it's 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 fucking bullshit. I mean, you think about Bezos used to have that lore around him, too. And, you know, he started all of this in a garage. Yeah. With a million dollar loan from his parents. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. he had help from mommy and daddy. Yeah. How about them hiring goddamn Errol Morris to make their promo videos? Errol Morris? (laughs) That's insane. He should be making this documentary. He shouldn't be making their fucking wait. Commercials. Is that the thin blue line guy? Yeah. Okay. That's one sure. of the things he's done. Okay. Pioneering documentary filmmaker Errol Morris. Yes. Is the one who did their fucking 
bullshit Theranos commercials. And here's the thing. They sucked. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, mom, your health is really important to us. We want you to be around forever. I laughed so hard when that kid started crying. Oh, my God. That kid. Like, why was she crying that hard? Health. Did Nana pinch her or something? <laughs> like she starts sobbing when they're like, maybe, oh, maybe yeah, she's the kind of know. Nana that uh, that puts out uh, uh, cough drops instead of candy. Yeah. Yeah. And s- oh God, maybe she's that that like depression era. Like, don't don't help me. I'll do it myself. <laughs> yeah. Bones fun. crunching sounds. Yeah. You know, furniture tipping over. And like, I can do it. Meanwhile, the machines don't even fucking work. But you're paying Errol Morris to make your commercials? That, I mean, that was that was the product. She was yeah. selling Theranos. She wasn't selling the Edison. I think the I think where she the, the first point where she really, really fucks up is they try to launch this in Arizona, and Arizona has a law, as do several states, that says patients can't just like go request their own blood work in lab tests. Like you have to have a doctor prescribe that. And Elizabeth Holmes starts lobbying for a law in Arizona to fight to to like repeal that and make it so patients can. And it seems like she was kind of successful. And yeah. I mean, as Californians, we've seen this happen before. Yeah. And I think that's where she fucked up because now a lot of people in Arizona start going and getting their own blood tests. But I think a thing Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos didn't take into account is well, a lot of those people had been getting blood tests for the same thing for years and years and years, or at least for months. Mm. And now they're like, oh, well, I can go to Theranos and get these tests cheaper. Also, yeah. it says I'm cured. Like what? <laughs> Why is this yeah. so different? And, yeah. and any lab tech working for her could have told her that and probably did. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. I mean, when I said that. I was filling up 15 tubes or something, that was an outlier. Usually I filled up three tubes for the same thing every two months. Yeah. Winks. And yeah, it sucked. Um, but there's another doctor they interviewed, Dr. Stephanie Seitz. And she's like, yeah, that's that's the point. We realized these lab results were fake because she would have patients who she was administering tests to who would come to her and be like, well, Theranos says all your labs are wrong. And she's like, let's send them to LabCorp and see what happens. Or they were getting like, hey, you have prostate cancer. Yes. Um, you should probably go get that checked out right now and then they go to another doctor and the doctor be like you do not have prostate cancer where did you hear this yeah and it seems like the probability of contaminating contaminated samples was really high with these fucking machines (laughs) right well because they had to water it down they had to literally dilute all of the samples that they got so that they could have enough products to read it where it's like the whole point of theranos is like all it takes is a little pinprick just the just the the, just the teeniest part of the pinky finger you know that that's all we need well, they had to start diluting it because they weren't using their own machine. Like they were using, they were secretly testing yeah. on other people's blood or they would take the nanotainer samples, which I hate that word so much also, and which was just a little blood and they'd have to dilute it. So that sample would work on another machine. And that's not how yeah. those fucking machines work. No. And it's also, you are already putting the sample at risk for contamination by doing that. Yeah, the the, the amount of in, yeah, the, the amount of footage, you know, either CGI or otherwise, that would show the inside of the machines as being drippy, droppy with little bits of blood here and there. I was like, that is fucking foul! Oh my god, yeah. can you imagine the guy describing having to try and use that Edison machine, and he's like, it was spewing blood everywhere. There were you'd have to yeah, it, it's a thing with needles in it. Yeah, and he'd have to reach his little his little hand inside underneath these needles. And it's like, I've played Dead Space before. I know that can go very wrong. Yeah, gross. The, the way that Silicon Valley plays it fast and loose with bloodborne pathogens in general is gross. Yeah, this is can you stand on that? Silicon Valley <laughs> should not be involved in at all. Bloodborne pathogens, specifically? Yeah. Okay. People's lives, self-driving cars, any of that mm-hmm. shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's easier to do it with cars because people don't really people don't really ask pertinent questions like uh, how much, you know, how many emissions do you create by making this car that the car, you know, yeah, that driving it couldn't possibly mitigate stuff like that. And truth be told, that industry is so corrupt. Every car is like that. So, yeah. So 
So, yeah, one of the key turning points in this story is the Wall Street Journal article. A Wall Street Journal reporter named John Carreyrou. He gets a call from a source asking if he'd read this Elizabeth Holmes profile. Why are you bobbing your head so hard? Because he's he's the heroic character in this story. I'm excited he's here. Yeah, he's probably yeah, still. He's a the Woodward and Bernstein of this. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, he's writing for the Wall Street Journal, so I guarantee you're not on the same side politically. But he is the good guy here, in this story for sure. In December 2014, he gets this tip. He goes to look into it himself. One thing he finds is that everyone's scared to talk to him because Theranos has hired this like cartoonish movie villain of a lawyer named David <laughs> Boys, who is to quote like Breaking Bad, he's not a criminal lawyer. He's a criminal lawyer. Right. Like when you need a lawyer who will crime on your behalf, you call David Boys. And so he runs into that obstacle. He decides to go investigate for himself. He goes to Arizona and he's like, I'm going to go to a Walgreens and get Theranos and see how it goes. And imagine his surprise when he goes to get this test and they whip out a big ass needle because that has been Theranos's whole thing this whole time is people no are scared needles. of needles. Elizabeth Holmes is scared of needles. We don't fucking do needles. And he sits down and they pull out a fucking spike to put in his arm. And he's like, <laughs> what the fuck? And they're like, yeah, most of your tests require needles. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how people didn't just like throw their hands up at that point. Like, I think a, like lot a lot of people did. People did. Yeah. 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 And so the reason for that is because they were secretly testing these blood samples on conventional machines. They weren't actually using the machine they claimed they were using. Just until the Edison was ready for the world. You know, yeah. it's just a stopgap. Yeah. This was a lot of fake it till you make it type stuff. And yeah. the problem is mm, they never made it. <laughs> But also they could have seen they weren't going to make it if the people running Theranos weren't the people who they were. Yeah, easily. I mean, it sounds like people who weren't like the top three or four did often, regularly. And so he starts poking around. This is around the same time Dr. Stephanie Seitz starts sending people off to get retested and figures out that all of these labs are wrong. And that's when the house of cards really just starts falling. Employees start leaving and becoming whistleblowers. Um, David Boyce threatens basically all of them, including the grandson of George Schultz. Like George Schultz basically got into it with his own grandson over this thing because his grandson worked at the company, was one of the engineers, like and one of those people that had to reach around needles and shit. And then at some point, uh, like he says, hey, grandpa, I think Elizabeth, I, I think this product can't happen. And uh, his grandpa's like, well, uh, I, I love you, but you're wrong. And such that like, even as the, the boys crew uh, start like hitting the, this this kid with all these with all these legal obligations and these threats, his his family have to sell their house to pay his legal fees. He says they ended up spending like a half million dollars just on legal fees to defend him against this fraudster. Uh, well, while his grandfather was still on the board. Yeah. If, there, if there's any bright side there, it's that George Schultz is in hell now. He died February 6, 2021. But yeah, he up. even like he talks about this meeting his grandson had to have with David, David Boys and the other lawyers. And he's like, they assaulted my grandson. But then they're like. Did that do anything for your belief in Elizabeth Holmes? No, nope. nope. Absolutely believe in her. It's like, Jesus, man. I think the other thing about these old white guys is admitting you're wrong is the worst thing they can do in their minds. Yeah. Powerful people. It's it's all powerful people all cannot powerful people. admit when they're wrong. Absolutely. You, you see know, that there's with a- wrongful convictions a lot, too, where a fucking DA will just stick to their guns forever, mm. even in the face of like, DNA evidence, video evidence. They'll be like, ah, he still somehow did it. It's like, no, you just don't want to be wrong. And uh, how about the FDA approval? That whole fucking sequence of events is so crazy. 
because they approved one test out of the 200 well for like you know gary shandling disease something so fucking rare that why is it even on the menu no it was gary shandling disease sounds like a really good word for hypochondria it was herpes it was a test was it herpes herpes that got approved but self use test for herpes makes me think either C or HSV one. No one gets tested. Oh for yeah, definitely because everyone has it. Sure, mm-hmm. sure, sure. It's, it's the oral kind that just like if you've ever had cold sores or even if you haven't, you probably have it. So yeah, there's to get this to happen, they had to have a bunch of FDA inspectors come to the office, and this moment in the TV series is so good. My favorite part is there's a point where one of the FDA inspectors wants to go use the bathroom and Sonny, again, played by Naveen Andrews, is like, I'll, I'll go with you. And he's like, I don't need you to go with me. And he goes, no, it's fine. I just don't want you to get lost. And here's but the thing. Naveen Andrews was Saeed on Lost. <laughs> I love that scene. That was fun. And <laughs> yeah, then they go down a hatch. Yeah, and that's what I was... Exactly. The fucking submarine. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. You can't watch this in 2023 and not think of that. But the key moment of the FDA approval is the MC Hammer scene where (laughs) they all come walking into the room to the dulcet tones of can't touch this. And you see a bunch of fucking awkward Silicon Valley types thinking they can dance. And the worst one is the one who really thinks he can dance. That guy is an awkward nightmare. What a Very scene. Elaine. That is one of the most awkward scenes in a documentary I think I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. Well, I, they, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Elizabeth Holmes could dance and this was all part of the act. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, the thing that introduces that is when is, is that be, slightly before the article comes out when the when the the storm clouds are starting to brew and they beat one minor thing or they, you know, they get the one past one hurdle and they're like, it's time to celebrate, everybody. We beat the bastards like they, they there's a group chance of like, fuck you guys. Yeah. It's, and it's all because like, they got one of the like 200 tests they need approved. Yeah. They got, this was their mission accomplished banner. Yeah. They got one approved and rented a fucking bouncy castle over it. Which aren't that expensive. They're not. I mean, I would I would very much like to do that for any minor win (laughs) that should just be the go-to celebration in 2023 good get yourself a bouncy castle for the day we all deserve it yeah yeah Yeah. we're knee braces though we're over 30 but then oh amen Hmm. but then after the wall street or after this fda win the wall street journal article comes out and everyone in the company except elizabeth holmes basically realizes they are fucked Mm -hmm. and people start looking for new jobs and that's where things really unravel but even after all that elizabeth holmes for years sticks by this company like she a year after the article comes out she still attends this tech conference where they had booked her as a speaker before that article i didn't realize that was that far away from the article getting written and she just gets up there and lies, yeah. just lies incessantly. I, the the most pathos to be found in this film is when, like, early on, they introduce uh, one of the writers of like Fortune magazine, who does a cover story, and like that's where Out for Blood comes from. Is like his cover story in Fortune is like this CEO is out for blood, and guess what, lads, it's a woman. Um, and it's this like huge article selling the mythos of Elizabeth Holmes. Yeah, and it was, oh, go ahead. And and the year later, um, he gets the he he sees the the New York Times article, and like it's a long shot in this documentary where he's just sitting there and coming to terms with like, and I realized I helped her build this house of cards with my work and my words, and like you know you, you talk about powerful people like never being able to admit when they're wrong. He one hundred percent admits that he's wrong, and he's like, I can't. Like, I can't believe I was so taken in. He calls her. And he's like, can you please explain to me what's going on? And she just doubles down. No, they're lying. They're lying. They're lying. And then he eventually prints this other article of like, mea culpa, y'all. Like, I yeah. printed this thing. I bought into the hype just like a lot of other people did. And it's not true. But I um, don't and, know and, yeah. 
when it comes to not admitting you're wrong, I don't know if I'd put him in the same class as George Schultz. Like he's just no, no, I wouldn't either. A writer for Forbes. And the thing that really ticked him off is the day after this Wall Street Journal article comes out, he calls Elizabeth Holmes and is like, I need you to go through every paragraph of this article and tell me why it's wrong. And she's like, I can't. I'm being inducted into the Harvard fucking tech fellows today, and I'm going to be at that all day. And Mm -hmm. it seemed like he was going to cry. Yeah. He was talking about that. He was like, I put so much faith in this person. And now this article comes out and you're going to go hide for the day. Fuck you. Yeah. He was like the one person who got duped by her that I was like, that sucks. That sucks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as a journalist, your integrity is everything as anyone else in any other American industry. It's fucking nothing. And then when he prints this article, basically saying I was misled intentionally, uh, she calls him up and like basically was like, I'm going to threaten you legally unless you change the article to say that I did not intentionally mislead you, you know, because whatever else, the, the, the product is still fine. The product's good. It's amazing. It's genius. It's going to work. But I need you to say that I didn't intentionally mislead you yeah. or there will be consequences. So against all odds, the company hangs around for another few years, like until around 2017. And that's about as far as the documentary goes. We you know, get to the point where the company has kind of folded and they have Elizabeth Holmes on camera saying she still stands by it. But then that's kind of where it ends. And there's some stuff they don't get to. For one thing, did they ever mention that the uncle story was kind of fake? No. They kind of hinted at it, but no. Yeah, they hinted at it. But in the book, Bad Blood, the book that the Wall Street Journal reporter wrote, uh, he actually, I mean, it's not that the story's fake. This is a quote from an article about the book. We'll link to it. Fortunately, in his Theranos book, Bad Blood, John Carreyrou got to the bottom of this uncle mystery. Mm. It was, he says, Ron Dietz, husband of her mother's sister, Elizabeth. As a girl, Holmes would visit this aunt and uncle in Boca Raton, Florida with her mother and brother. Dietz died 18 months before her Ted Med talk, which means it was long after she came up with the concept of the Edison. Rather brutally, Carrie Rue adds that Holmes was actually never close to Dietz. And that's pretty damning because her whole fucking supervillain origin story was my uncle got diagnosed with skin cancer and they didn't catch it fast enough and it turned into brain cancer. And that's what inspired me to do this. And it's like, no, your uncle just died after you came up with this and you decided to ride that momentum as a marketing tool. That sounds like CEO shit for sure. It does sound like CEO shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that it also sounds like something every comic does when they say this happened last week and it happened a year ago. But or like you wrote you you wrote a a whole stand up set, but now you're not going to get into any of that because of a text message you got. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Love those stories. Yeah. But at, at the same time, we all acknowledge that's performance. This is a fucking CEO of a company that's in charge of people's health. Who yeah. also has to perform in order to get this venture capital so that she can explore this idea that may or may not hold water. <laughs> yeah. And- another good example is any Internet writer who's like, people have been emailing me. That means one person emailed me. Yeah. Yeah. One 100%. person. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe maybe a Twitter comment that they searched yeah. for. Just to say people (laughs) that they would have ignored otherwise. Absolutely. And the other thing that doesn't get brought up in this, Elizabeth Holmes is in prison now. In 2018, she, Sonny, and Theranos as a whole were charged with wire fraud on account of how they raised $700 million in funding for a machine they knew did not work. And she was eventually convicted and sentenced to 11 years in prison. Started serving that May of this year. And her sentence has already been reduced by two years for good behavior. So she's still fucking charming people, I guess. Ugh. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I'm surprised she saw any prison time. And that same. Hmm. And I there's so much fraud in this sector. I, I just here's the thing. I feel like that's also because she's a woman. And it might be. I feel like these rich, powerful dudes were like, oh, a fucking woman got one over on us. No, no, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. We're calling the feds. You make the same feds. argument about like. Martha Stewart, right? Martha Stewart served time for insider trading. A lot of people have traded insidely. Um, yeah. Or it's like like Ellen's behavior is the same of all late night hosts. 
same as all late night hosts. Yeah, much. yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of well, we need to pick one, and yeah. it might as well be the one outlier, right? So I think that's our episode, right? I know we got places to be in like ten minutes, yeah. but also I feel like we have reached the end. Do we have any final thoughts on Elizabeth Holmes? <sighs> um, um, messiahs uh, don't live amongst us. I guess uh, mm-hmm. collective action is the only truly way to move forward as a society. Um, Absolutely. While, while some people have very good ideas, um, the moment that they reject critical thinking, you need to think critically yourself. Yes. Yeah. Nothing's invented in a vacuum. Yeah. Your intuition serves a purpose. So listen. It sure does. That's actually what this tattoo means. Yay. Oh, nice. All right. So, Thank you both for doing the pod. I appreciate it. Hell yeah. What do we have to plug before we get out of here? Besides me and Danger's show at the Sardine, November mm. 10th in San Pedro. Keep your eyes peeled. Tickets will be on sale soon. I'm going to be there. Connor McSpadden's going to be there. Lindsay Adams is going to be there. Danger's doing music. Who else is doing music, Danger? We got Latumba and uh, Cosmic Kitten as well. Um, so it's going to be it's going to be so much fun. I'm so excited for this show. It's going to be good times. Possibly uh, special guests, po- special guest, possibly also baked goods. I want to have some sort of bake off with Lindsay Adams. Oh, okay. I don't know how to do that, but we're going to figure something out. Might just be like, uh, whose cookies do you like more? Hathens or here's some sourdough. Don't make, don't make me get my wife involved in that. Ooh, we're going to have these red balls. You motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. You. Yep. 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 Uh, yep. yep. I want so yeah, that. come out for that. Hannah, what do you got to plug? Oh, got it. Um, <laughs> You know what? As I have kind of been, I am sick of plugging my socials. So I'm going to plug my cat's socials. Um, it's gamefully on cats, gamefully UN underscore cats. And um, it's Rue and Kitten, also Tom Ryman's uh, cat, Sweet Pea, and um, anyone who is a patron of Gamefully Unemployed and, and their cats, or occasionally another animal that I'll call a weird cat, but is probably a dog. Cute. Danger, do you got anything else before we get out of here? I mean, my band, Countless Thousands, uh, please back us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Countless Thousands. We are recording our new album right now, Woke Moralists. Very excited about that one. It is going to be a banger. I just discovered that I do a really good Jordan Peterson impression, and I want to do a whole thing. Um, Congratulations. Because I hate that guy. And uh, any anything I can do to turn the tide. Um, I do a good Jordan. Oh, fuck yeah. Peterson impersonation in that I eat a whole lot of red meat. <laughs> how many comas? <laughs> how many comas have you recovered from? All of them, every single one. All right, nice. let's get the fuck out of here. Danger. Say goodbye. Goodbye, Hannah. Say goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. We love you. 